Welcome to the Relaxed Dog Podcast. The podcast where the dogs are the stars of the show. Welcome to episode 58 of the Relaxed Dog Podcast, sponsored by therelaxeddog.com. Thank you very much for finding this show. Welcome back if you've listened before and welcome to the brand new listeners. I am your host, Robert Ober, and I hope that you and your dog are well. My guest this week is a sort of a local for us down in Canberra, Dallas Berkowitz, and she'll be talking about her lab, Dusty. But first, in some doggy news, we go to a place called Porthcall in Wales. And a uh, little message for those that take their dogs to the beach. Well, Ollie the Springer Spaniel went out for a swim and was enjoying it so much that he didn't turn around when his owners were calling him. The uh, concerned owners then contacted the Coast Guard who launched one of their smaller vessels and uh, searched for Ollie for around about an hour, couldn't find him. They uh, went back to their base. Uh, The owners were still very distraught. They kept on looking and then someone spotted Ollie about three miles away. The lifeboat was then relaunched and went around and picked up Ollie who was uh, getting a bit of a lift from a a kayaker. So a nice uh, three-hour swim there for Ollie. Over to Israel and in the city of Tel Aviv, I know we've mentioned it before on a smaller scale, but they're looking at introducing a rule where all the dogs need to have their DNA registered so they can track down the ones that are doing their poos where they shouldn't be. And of course, find the responsible owners. So when you're speaking to your friends about this podcast, which I'm sure you'll all do, you might also want to discuss that you all do the responsible thing, pick up your dog's poo before your city brings in some sort of regulation like this. Anyway, here's this week's interview. Welcome to the Relaxed Dog Podcast. I am here with Dallas Berkowitz. How are you this morning? I'm great, Robert. How are you? I am fantastic today. Thank you very much. How's things down in sunny Canberra? Look, not so sunny. It's been a been a pretty cold and grey winter for us down here, but um, we have had a couple of those nice sunny days. And you know, compared to what the rest of the country is going through right now, we're pretty lucky. So can't can't really complain. There's some crazy times, crazy times here and everywhere around the world. Yeah, yeah, a few few minus five days, and you know, temperatures not not reaching ten degrees is nothing really compared to compared to lockdown. So I can't I can't complain at all. <laughs> nice, nice. 
And who are we going to talk about today? So we're talking about my dog, Dusty. So um, Dusty actually passed away about eight weeks ago now. He, um, mm. about a week shy of his 16th birthday, bless him. We, luckily I, had, I was busy and hadn't arranged his party. So mm. <laughs> we missed, missed that sadness. So that was a bit sad. But he's, um, he's a dog who's changed my life significantly. So I was, um, even though it's still a bit raw, you know, I was pretty super excited to talk about him and, um, you know, what he brought into my life and that sort of stuff. No, thank you. Thank you very much and, and totally understandable. So as per sort of usual, I'm going to take you back to before you guys got together and just yep. talk us through the, the hows and whys that happened. Yeah, so um, I a Labrador was never really on my list of dogs to get. I had had um, a German Shepherd and two Rottweilers prior, um, and I had just lost one of my Rottweilers, um, Romy. He had passed away, and I was starting to think it was time for another dog. And I was working a night shift one night, and as you do when you you know just watching the news on night shift. Um, I started looking at dogs to adopt um, and there was this little face just staring back at me and uh, something about the photo really, really took me in. Um, so, and when they, when I read it, so I'm a country music fan, big country music fan, mm-hmm. um, and his name, his write-up was Dusty Not-So-Slim. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was a bit of a porker back then. Um, and his foster carer had done a write-up to a Slim Dusty song. And so I was like, well, you know, this is a sign that, you know, this dog might be for me. And it was really lucky at the time my dog wash lady had been telling me about her friend who was a foster carer and I knew about her and so I saw that she was the foster carer for this dog and I made contact that as well. As soon as that morning became a reasonable hour to contact people, I um, I got in contact with her and she'd had, I think it was something like 70 inquiries for him within 24 hours. Wow. Um, so it was crazy. I didn't hold out a lot of hope, but fortunately, you know, my dog wash lady had put in a good word for me and, and I got to meet him, and from the minute that I met him, like he was, he was gonna be my dog. Like he, she, I, she was straight away like, "Would well, do you want him?" And I was like, "Oh my god, yes!" Like he was, he was a special boy. But um, I, like I just knew for whatever reason, he was, he was gonna be my dog. Well, I think it's sometimes you know like incredible how the different pieces of the puzzles and and just like you think coincidence or what or it doesn't matter why or, or or what you believe in but sometimes you think how did all those things line up and you end up with that dog yeah yeah because he was really nothing like the dogs that I'd had in the past you know they were all um all sort of big you know tough kind of active dogs and then there was, well, fat, he was fat, dusty back then, <laughs> um, fat little dusty. And he was, um, so his story was that he'd been um, on a farm. Um, he'd been a farm dog for a family. Um, unfortunately, they, you know, hadn't really thought through having a dog on a property and and they kind of put him in a dog run and, and pretty much, I mean, they fed him well and all that sort of thing and looked after him, but... Um, he pretty much had not left the dog run at all. So he wasn't socialised or anything like that. Um, 
unfortunately their family sort of said, you know, to them, it's time to give this dog up, you know, it's no life for him um, in the dog run. And so the, the rescue community came and took him in and, um, yeah, and that's how he sort of made his way to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was when um, he came and met my, so at the time I had another Rottweiler, Sharon. So um, Sharon was a gorgeous, gentle Roddy. She was a failed security dog that I'd picked up from the RSPCA. Um, and Dusty was terrified of Sharon when we first <laughs> met. Um, he just didn't know what to do. How he was, was hiding. How old was Dusty when you when you got him? Uh, so he was four. He was four, and Sharon would have been about, I think, maybe eight at the mm. time. Um, and so we had to have Lucky. His foster carer was, you know, really understanding and and really wanted him to live with me. So we did, I think, about five meetings before he was comfortable enough with Sharon to to actually move in. You know, we went on little walks together and that sort of stuff. And and then finally he, he was like, yep, she's all right. So, um, yeah, finally the day came where he moved in and, and I had two cats at the time as well and he took to them straight away and, and just, you know, became a member of the family from the minute he came through the door. Ah, nice, nice. And and what was the initial sort of setup? Sort of inside or outside? Yeah, yeah. He was inside. inside. Um, he was a typical Labrador, so ate everything like <laughs> absolutely. The first couple of months, he just destroyed the place. Um, he chewed up like so many pairs of shoes, sunglasses, TV remotes, like everything I owned. Um, but, you know, he got away with it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he was he was really good and settled in, like, really quickly. Like, he overcame a lot of his fears really quickly of other dogs and, um, you know, he was, he was always good with people, um, but, yeah, overcame the fears of other dogs fairly quickly. He was always a little bit sort of cautious, but... Um, you know, his genetics were pretty strong and he sort of just would avoid or, um, you know, nobody really worried about Dusty as a dog. They, I don't think they saw him as a dog. Um, so a lot of other dogs, you know, didn't react to him either. So mm-hmm. it made it fairly easy for him. Okay. So would the people sort of like differentiate between Dusty and Sharon when they came over? Yeah, um, Sharon, I mean, Sharon was so social, um, so she always loved people. But, and Dustbad is like, he just loved to cuddle. Like he would just be on the couch, um, you know, he just would, you know, and he'd get right into your body and really snuggle in. And he always found the most perfect spot where he didn't stick elbows into you or anything. Um, so, yeah, he really settled in, um, settled in pretty quickly. Um so with him, um, you know, as part of adopting him, you know, obviously meeting with the foster carer so many times, I um, I started to get involved with the rescue group. Um, I had offered to help with um, some raffles and things like that, getting prizes for fundraising. Um, and from there, um, ended up doing fostering so um I took in my first foster and and made sure that you know I took Dusty out to meet her first just to make sure that he would be okay with it he was like yep 
this is good. So, yeah, <laughs> um, so began the, the fostering sort of career that um, really sort of changed my life. So we had a, a lot of foster dogs coming and going. Um, and it was really good for Dusty, I think. You know, it really helped him to, you know, build confidence and all that sort of thing. Um, and he really, he really enjoyed a lot of the dogs. He loved the puppies, really loved puppies. I think because there was no no hidden agenda in puppies. They are what they are. <laughs> um, so he really, you know, he took the, the scared ones under his wing or the more confident ones brought out his playful side as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, the first time I saw him play a game, I was just like near in tears. He was playing with his dog on my bed and I was just so excited. Um so yeah, it was it was really good that that all that sort of sort of happened for him. Um, as we got sort of further in, he um, I had a foster dog who um, what I didn't realize at the time um, was a horrendous resource guarder, um, and she ended up attacking him and and doing some quite severe damage and. You know, from that day, that was when I was like, you know, I've let this dog down so badly to not, you know, what is so obvious to me now as a, as a professional in the dog industry um, that I didn't see that at the time. And, and for a foster care, I was like, well, if I'm going to do this, I need to do it properly because I can't have that happen again. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went off and did NDTF then and, and, um, and from there sort of took on, you know, learning a lot more about dog behaviour um and and which in, in turn you know made me take a career in the dog industry which, where I still work today so yeah, so for um, those people that, that don't know NDTF yeah um, National Dog Trainers Federation so yeah I did the cert 3 in dog behavior and training um so yeah go went down learned a lot about dog behavior how to train dogs um, and that sort of really sparked my interest in learning more about behaviour and, and helping. You know, at the time I was very heavily involved in rescue and really wanted to help more rescue dogs and more, especially more foster carers to understand behaviours because it's, you know, what happened to Dusty, you know, I just felt, even though, you know, he was fine afterwards, you know, stitches, couple stitches, drains, like, um, I think it was more my guilt that, like, I was like, my God, I just let that happen to him mm-hmm. um, because I didn't see the signals. And so from there I was like, well, you know, what more can I learn to help other foster carers not get put in this situation and mm-hmm. other dogs not get put in this situation? Um, so, yeah, really sort of progressed from there, which was um, which is really good. And now I'm still working, you know, in the dog industry now. So I um, manage a, a dog daycare, Pups of Fun, down here in Canberra um, and still do a little bit of work. I'm not fostering or anything anymore. So Dusty, um, you know, was obviously getting a bit older and I couldn't foster anymore um, because I didn't want to sort of stress him out. Um, so yeah, it's been, I still do a few little workshops for them on behavior and things like that. Um, but you know, I sort of look back and go, God, if it wasn't for Dusty, I don't know, would I still, I'd probably still be in the public service and all that sort of thing. So it's really, um, really changed my life in a big way. Oh, it's just, I don't know, people that are regular listeners will, will go, oh, another one. It's like, yes, another person where a dog, a different species, there's been an interaction and all of a sudden 
a human's whole life gets turned and 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 gone another way because yeah. of meeting a dog. Yeah, absolutely. Like I just, I absolutely love what I do today, and I just think, oh my god, imagine you know that 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 night hadn't happened where I'd seen his little face on the internet and. <laughs> And if his name wasn't Dusty, not so slim, you know, what would I be doing today? Um, it sent me in a totally different, totally different um, career change and all that sort of thing. I was working in national security and emergency management. So it's a big, um, a big career change and I've absolutely loved it. And I just think, you know, what if it wasn't for Dusty? <laughs> <laughs> so when Dusty was young, what would you say, did he have any, like, favourite activities to do? Uh, like, his favourite thing was eating. He's a lab. He's a Labrador. He was a typical Labrador. shouldn't um, say that. Sorry to all the lab kind of, Yeah, I kind of sort of feel like there's two different types of labs. There's, like, the crazy, out-of-control, hilarious labs, and then there's kind of the sad, woe-is-me labs. Um, so he was on the sad, woe-is-me end. Um, he, you know, always had this, oh, my God, I could be starving to death face. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, excuse me. He caused me no end of grief um, with eating stupid things. Like we were regulars at our, at both our local vet and the emergency vet, like some of the things he ate, um, 16 coffee pods. Yeah, so he was like pinging off the roof. Uh, <laughs> I got home and I was like, why does the house smell like coffee? And then realised he'd eaten a whole box of coffee pods out of my bag. Oh, no. Um, so did he yeah. ingest the whole, like the capsules as, as well or just? Yeah, no? yeah. Oh, no, he did not. He just ate all the contents out of them. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah, so he popped them all open and then eaten all the coffee grinds and I was like oh like how he thought that that was enjoyable but um another time he ate so he got a lush delivery you know the lush soaps and stuff oh, like yep, that yep. um so it's still in the delivery box I had only arrived that morning and I put it up on the bench and he pulled that down and ate all the soap oh. um <laughs> yeah. So, and I didn't know at the time who had eaten the soaps. So I and there was a like a tea tree oil soap in there, so um, which is toxic to dogs. So I had to take all. I think it was I had three or four at the time. Um, so I had to take all of them to emergency to to throw up. So he'd eaten two of the soaps. He'd eaten like a coconut soap and and the tea tree oil soap, which was just feral and I don't know why he ate it, but he did. Um, so that one has now been made into a tattoo. Um, I've, got, <laughs> I've got all my dogs tattooed on my arm by the amazing Jane Stewart up in um, Sydney. Um, so in Dusty's tattoo, he's got the soap in his mouth <laughs> and all the bubbles coming out. <laughs> <laughs> Now, that's taking a, a memory to a whole other level. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, she, like, in the in the form, she asked me a little bit about each time we do a new tattoo of one of the dogs, she asked me about them and, you know, what do they like to do? And I was like, Dusty just eats things. And I kind of told her a few other things. And she's like, yeah, we can do something with that. Um, so, yeah, that's, 
That's his tattoo. He looks very sheepish. He's got bubbles, bubbles coming out his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and he's eaten like he ate two kilos of um, green lip muscle powder. Um, it's a yeah, health, yeah. healthy in moderation, but yeah, two kilos. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could never use a slow cooker. He ate like I think two kilos of um, red red curry chicken that I was planning for dinner that night. Um, I, I don't know how many Kindles. Back when he first came, he was he chewed a lot of stuff. Like he gave gave that up after a while. But um, I think I'm on Kindle number eight. <laughs> okay. Wow. Yeah. I haven't heard that one before. I remember, I can't remember who it was now speaking that they've gone through something like 20 something uh, TV remotes. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't actually own TV remotes anymore. So, yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, doc, yeah. No, I think it was a doc called Penny who was um, over in the States. Yeah. So it was a yeah, pity. A pity. About TV remotes. I don't know why they like them so much. I suppose they've got a concentrated scent on them. Um, but, yeah, dogs love TV remotes for whatever reason and Dusty was one of those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he was a very um, a very friendly and, like, once he sort of got over all the his initial fears of other dogs, he, um, he helped me out on a lot of um, consults, so... Um, I was working with a lot of sort of behaviour, reactivity and things like that and he was he got to the point where he um, he could come and help me on those and was mm-hmm. um, he was really good for the dogs that were initially terrified of other dogs because he was just so inoffensive. Um, so my dog now, Cardi, you know, she's got better obedience than Dusty but um, for what, it, you know, she's pretty spicy looking so she does tend to set dogs off, um, whereas he, you know, they didn't really see him as a dog. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was really good to, you know, start introducing and especially for owners as well. I think a lot of, you know, a lot of reactivity does come from the owner and the owner's um, fear as well. So he was a really big help to um, dog owners to see their dog with another dog. Mm-hmm. Um so he really, you know, helped a lot of people in that way. You know, some people who had never seen their dog with another dog ever and um, and got to see, you know, the, and they got to walk him with their dogs and things like that and um, it made a big difference for their confidence as well. Um, Absolutely. So he was really helpful for that. And he came, used to come here to our, you know, puppy daycare and, and help the puppies meet older dogs and that sort of stuff and, um, you know, nobody nobody was ever scared of Dusty for very long. Like <laughs> if they were initially nervous, it didn't take long. So he was like he was good for consults, but he was also bad because like like after the first one, I couldn't really use him again because they they were like, oh, he's not a dog. Like <laughs> <laughs> we'd, we'd have to up up the game after after the first initial consult. <laughs> so you said the word game. What were Dusty's favourite games? Um, God, love swimming, mm-hmm. love swimming. Like he was, um, he did actually didn't know how to swim when I first got him. He was terrified of the water, so I had to sort of like I had to get into Lake Burley Griffin. So for anyone that knows Canberra, like Lake Burley Griffin is, you know, it looks beautiful, but you don't want to swim in it. 
Um, so I had to take him out in the middle of the lake and, and kind of just hold him there until he started swimming. Um, and then off he went and, and didn't never looked back after that. So he loved the water. Um, we actually did a photo shoot. I've got an amazing photo of him um, above my TV at home that Ruth O'Leary did for us and he it was the worst photo shoot of my life. My dogs were so naughty. <laughs> um, and Dusty took off and went in the went in the dam and then he was all dirty and stinky and um yeah, so swimming was really his thing. He he played a little bit of fetch, but not, you know, he was more of a he just really wanted to cuddle people and and wait for snacks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but swimming swimming was really good. And did he have any uh, particular or favourite toys? He loved – we had this um, – it was like a snuffle ball. I don't know if you know. They're like um, – you know the snuffle mats that, that yep. are super popular now? They're like tied bits of um, polar fleece. So we just made a ball tied up of that, and he loved that, like absolutely loved that, just throwing it around. He was probably more of a – soft toy dog than mm-hmm. you know it was never really fond of you know kongs and stuff like that um unless there was food again um but yeah love the soft toys love to sort of throw them around as he got older he probably didn't play that much like he made it to um so yeah he was a week short of his 16th birthday um when he passed and he, you know, he'd slowed down a lot. He had a bit of arthritis in his last sort of year um, and he'd slowed down a lot. So he just mostly liked, you know, wandering around. Um, We have a a private dog park um, here where I work. So he loved just going out there and taking in all the sniffs and, and, you know, putting his feet on something so he might be able to get a treat. (laughs) (laughs) But mostly it was about meeting people and, and and having the cuddles and, you know, seeing, checking out what's in their pockets. <laughs> <laughs> did, he, did he have any, uh, like, particularly favourite sort of walks or places to visit? Um, look, when, oh, God, one time I went through a stage where they were escaping a little bit. I had a I had another rescue dog, Gracie, who was a Briard cross, and she had um, lived in a the back of a car. So she her family had been evicted, and they'd been living in the back of a car for a year wow. um, with her. And and she they just used to let her out in the morning, and she would roam around. Um, they were living in Queenbian. She would roam around Queenbian for the day. And finally, after a year, they were like, you know, this is too difficult. Um, and she came to live with me as a, as a foster dog and it took me about 11 months to get her to the point where she wouldn't escape. Um, and every now and then she'd managed to somehow get something open and, and take Dusty with her. And, um, we found him one day. He'd gone to a neighbour's house down the street and got into their backyard and eaten like a whole bin of um, bird food. <laughs> Doesn't doesn't do things in in a small ways. He just it's just either big and hard and in big volume. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the guy was like, "Oh my god, he's eaten 
like the whole bin of this bird food. And the guy, and I was like, I'm so sorry. And I was so worried about his bird food. He was more worried about Dusty and thought that he was going to die. And I was like, look, he's, he's a lab. He had one of those sort of iron stomachs. Um, I think of all the things that he ate, like he only, he had to have surgery one time. Um, and that was a piece of um, antler or something that that um, got caught in there, and and it was it didn't show up in in the X rays. And my vet, who was absolutely wonderful and knew Dusty so well, he um, he was like, as soon as Dusty stopped eating, he was like, I can't see anything in the X rays, like nothing showing up. But he goes, I know the fact that he's not eating is a bad sign. So luckily he. He went in and did the surgery and found it because it started like it started going necrotic in there. Um, but yeah, he um, he loved us. I think he just loved going anywhere. He probably didn't really have a favourite walk. Mm-hmm. I mean, he loved going down to you know we've got a nice little cafe um, down the road from me, so I'd love to go down there and hang out, and everybody would come out and give him a bit of a cuddle and that sort of thing. He probably wasn't a big like going on long walks. He never really loved long walks or anything. Um, I sent him a couple of times with work on our walks and he always just looked a bit bored and (laughs) 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 why am I having to do this? I could be hanging out at the shop. (laughs) But he's probably one of those dogs that was just so easy um, that, I really put very little obedience into him. You know, we didn't do any training and I kind of like I look back at it now and I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe like he barely knew how to sit. Like (laughs) he could, but he didn't, you know, he just did what he wanted to do. And because he never caused me, apart from eating everything, he never caused me any grief or any trouble. He wouldn't run away. Um, You know, he was one of those dogs where I just, was like, oh, well, all these other dogs are a whole lot harder. I'll work work on them, whereas he would just be sort of happy doing his thing and and chilling. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you mentioned the vet and the, they, the vet knew him well and it's sort of like that good and bad. It's nice that the vet really knows my dog really well, but, but why is my dog going to the vet so often? <laughs> <laughs> I know. down there for a while and and the vet nurses knew him and and like still bring up the stories of what he's eaten in the past all the time um so and he used to board there they have um where my vet is they have boarding kennels as well and and I sent them their boarding and and Dusty loved it like you know, people always talk about, oh, my dog hates the vet, and I've just never had that problem. I think, like, one, my vet and the vet um, the vet nurses, they're all absolutely amazing, but two, I think, you know, he just saw it as an opportunity to have snacks. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, whenever we'd pull in the driveway to the vet, like, they would be that excited. Um, and it was really good, you know, as far as going away, I knew that he was always well looked after and, um, when he got sick towards the end, he had a couple of cases of um, vestibular disease um, and at one point he was in the vet and they sent me a photo of him in the cage and they had a vet cat there as well 
and he, him and the vet cat sitting sitting in there, cuddled up together, um, <laughs> having, a, having a little snooze. Um, so he was one of those dogs that just accepted, like, you know, if there was, you know, brought home a random cat. Um, one time I went to pick up a foster dog at the pound and um, came home with a cat that they had as well. Um, <laughs> they were like, oh, I've got this. Yeah, they were like, we've got this really old cat and I think she was about 15 or 16. And um, and they were like, we can't keep cats here. We don't have cat cages, and and like they're looking at me like, oh. And so I, I introduced the cat to Dusty to see what the cat was like with dogs, because usually it's you know the cat that decides whether <laughs> whether they're going to fit in or not. <laughs> um, and this cat loved Dusty straight away, so I was like, right, I put it in my car, um, and and Krusty the cat moved in. Um, and yeah, her and her and Dusty were just you know best friends straight away, and um, and accepted into the family. So Dusty was kind of you know he was just so easygoing. Whatever I brought home, he was like, yeah, whatever. You know, I'll, I'll deal with it. Ballpark figure: How many foster dogs and cats would Dusty have had? Um, I never did the one cat. Okay, yep. <laughs> um, and then I had a couple of my own at, at one point. Um, I think we we did well over a hundred dogs. Um, so yeah, and then I do a little bit of boarding as well through through work. So I had boarding dogs come as well. But yeah, I can't remember how many foster dogs. I think it was about a hundred and fifty. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, and there was there was only that once I you know learnt my lesson from that one dog, um, you know we were we managed to pick you know I think the important thing was picking the right dogs as well, and especially as he got older and and you know needed more support through which dogs I was picking, um, we you know just made sure that they were dogs that weren't gonna you know give him too much grief and that sort of thing. Uh, um, I applaud the amount of of thought and effort that you, you put into looking at the whole environment and everyone at home rather than yeah. just, you know, I don't want to be critical, but some people are just like, oh, for the sake of, yes, we have to take it and we'll make yeah. things work and, and you yeah. can. But when you look at it beforehand, I think it works a bit better. Yeah, definitely. Like fostering can be so stressful on your own dogs so I think it is you know it's so important for foster carers to pick the right dog because you don't know how long you're going to have them for um so Gracie the Briard that I had fostered you know she was a really quirky looking thing she was probably 40 kilos and like looked like a giant um silky terrier um she had the really long hair and she was just like this big muppet and, um, you know, I thought to myself, oh, she'll be a really quick rehome. She was great with dogs, great with people. She had really good obedience already. She did tricks, all sorts of stuff. And I thought, oh, yeah, you know, she'll be a quick rehome. And, um, you know, she took 11 months until I just decided I'd keep her <laughs> because <laughs> of her fence jumping. And so, yeah, I think it's, you know, you take a dog into your home thinking, Oh, I've only got them for a little while, but you just never know how long you're sort of going to have them for, and and you've got to make sure that your own dogs are are comfortable because it is it is, you know it is stressful on them having dogs come and go all the time. So you know, making sure that it's one that will fit in with them was was really important to me. 
Once I learned my lesson, especially, <laughs> yeah. So what about uh, travelling with Dusty? Did you do much of that? I didn't do too much. He did a couple of trips, like, to the coast and that sort of thing. Um, but I'm sort of a stay-at-home kind of person. I'm I'm really boring, like, here where I live in Canberra. Um, I was brought up in Western Creek, which is a little, little area. Um, I moved between three suburbs, so I've always lived sort of within five kilometres of where I grew up. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I work in that same suburb that I that I grew up in. So um, I'm kind of one of those people that if I could stay in Western Creek my whole life and never leave, I'd be really happy. Um, but yeah, we went um, we went to the coast a couple of times. Loved the beach. I absolutely loved. He came up. Um, we'd always do our Christmas party at the coast and hire a house, and he enjoyed that and would would come up there. But we didn't do really a lot of travelling. Um, and because I was so heavily into fostering at the time, like I just didn't really go anywhere or do anything. Um, that kind of became my life for such a long time that it was it was too hard to go anywhere. Um, and I had multiple dogs of my own as well. So I, would, I had three dogs for most of the time that I had him. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of harder to, to do things. Um, Did you have a particular spot in the car? Um, oh, he loved to just sit at the front, sit up the front with me. Yeah, he's <laughs> always either sit on the front seat. I had this, I got a very expensive dog cage installed that I never used. <laughs> 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 Use it for the foster dogs and mine and sit. Dusty loved to sit on the front seat just so that he could see and, again, just in case I was eating something, he was first, <laughs> <laughs> first one there. <laughs> But, yeah, nah, he'd always kind of sit up the front and, it's, and it was easier, you know, as he got older, it was easier for him to get into the front. Um, but he did love the car, like he loved going on car rides. So, you know, as he got older, he couldn't always, we couldn't always do walks, but I'd take him for a drive somewhere and, you know, he thought that was pretty good. Um, I'll just take him out, drive him out to our park um, to have a sniff and, and he Love that. So, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Ever any uh, grooming challenges? No. He was like, he was just, I mean, apart from all the hair, um, (laughs) I don't think I'll have a Labrador again. Like I'm still just trying to get rid of all the hair everywhere. Um, He was, he was such, just such an easy dog. Um, so he used to come in, we have a grooming salon as well where I work, which is so super handy. Um, so he would often help out, you know, if people were training on new dogs and stuff because he, you know, you could do his nails and he wouldn't get, he'd just sit there. He was just happy to have the attention. Um, so yeah, he, like, he was just so easy, um, that he was so good for so many so many things or people that people that were scared of dogs as well, you know, could meet him and not not be worried about it. Um, the only thing, you know, you had to be careful with, you know, I said when he met kids and stuff, I said he's a really good dog but he will snatch that sandwich out of kid's hand in a second. <laughs> there was literally no respect there. <laughs> Um, so yeah, he was he was really good, but <laughs> and, yeah. But when it came to food, I was like, just 
don't. <laughs> don't leave it out. He will nick it. <laughs> <laughs> so when you say leave it out, does he? How was his uh, investigative skills? And did he, did he ever, like delve he, into places where he shouldn't yeah. have been? Yeah. Um, like most of the pockets of my hoodies are all chewed out. Um, where, where if I've had, you know, training treats or something in my hoodies, chewed the holes through those, um, chewed holes through my pants looking for treats. Um, yeah, he would steal, like, you know, you couldn't leave anything on a bench. And I just never learned that lesson. I don't know why. It's been uh, how many years since I've owned dogs, 20-plus years, and I've never learnt the lesson not to leave things out. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm always like, well, I can only blame myself. Like I'm the one who keeps leaving stuff out um, for him to steal. So, you know, I could never get mad at him because I was like, it's my own fault. But you'd get home and he'd he'd steal things like, you know, half a pumpkin. Like you'd leave a pumpkin there and he'd come and you'd, He'd be eating that, or a watermelon, or it didn't. It didn't even necessarily have to be food related, like <laughs> um, those little wax melts that make a nice smell in your house. He'd eat those. <laughs> like if it smelled like like it could be flavoursome, <laughs> he'd, he'd get into it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, I know. I normally ask. The question, you know, to, to for people, I can't believe my dog ate, but but with Dusty and what you've said, it's let's let it roll. It's it's I yeah. can't believe my dog didn't eat something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he would eat anything. And in the last sort of couple of years, I got into raw feeding, and like Dusty was always, you know, as I've said, he loved food. He would eat anything, and I was always like, I don't think there's a higher level of excitement that he can get to about food um until we moved on to raw feeding and it oh my god like he was doing these flip turns and and at this stage you know he's 15 and he'd do these flip turns in his crate ready for this raw food and he was really it was a lot more adventurous um cardi my rottweiler she's um, she can be a bit more picky about weird things. So, um, like raw sardines, she'll eat the ones from the can, but the fresh ones, she's like, nah, this is not for me. And so Dusty would like smash his meal down and then he'd go and stand in front of Cardi's crate waiting to see what she'd left behind. <laughs> and, <laughs> and he'd always get some sort of surprise, like, no, nah, she didn't like the pig snout or the fish or the... She hated salmon and um, so he was always just so excited just to see. And the same when I would bring home boarding dogs and a lot of the dogs that I board for work have um, come from sort of single dog homes where they're allowed to graze um, and so they didn't have the same sort of food drive <laughs> that Dusty had and they like have a couple of kibbles and then wander off and I'm like, you guys, you know that if you wander off, it's fair game. And after the first night of Dusty, like, boom, he'd be in there. They'd learn pretty quickly that they had to eat all their food straight away. <laughs> so <clears throat> I was going to ask you uh, earlier on, so Dusty, when you first got him, was yep. a little bit overweight. Yeah. The journey to get him down to a more healthy weight, did you do, how did that sort of go? Um, I think it just happened fairly slowly. Like I think when I first got him, 
you know, it's very early in my dog um, owning career and well, dog owning life. Um, and I didn't really understand nutrition and and that and exercise the way I do now. Um, so there were times where certainly I look back at the photos and go, oh my God, like he was so fat. <laughs> um, and even when I thought I had taken the weight off him, he wasn't as fat as when I got him. Um, but I look back at it now and go, oh, that is horrendous. Um, Just a thick coat. Yeah, yeah, he was big boned. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like towards you know the last couple of years, I've obviously learned a lot more about you know dog health and that sort of thing, and it's a it's definitely a, a passion of mine now to um, you know see fit and trim dogs and. Um, so yeah, but it, you know the last couple of years, and it made such a difference to him losing that weight. Um, which was just really through nutrition mm-hmm. um, and really just giving him a good diet, like moving him onto raw food made the biggest difference for him and it, it made a huge difference in his as far as his um, arthritis and, and, you know, putting different supplements like he was on Antonol, which made a huge difference, um, you know, some different mushroom powders that really helped his um, cognitive awareness as well um, and so trialing different types of supplements and foods um, really helped him in those last few years and I think that's probably why he got to the age that he did I don't think he would have got as far um, if I hadn't made that change because mm-hmm. um, his arthritis was you know it was getting to that point where um, when he passed like I it was kind of a relief because I didn't have to make that um, difficult decision based on his mobility because um, <clears throat> I had started to get worried that, you know, I'd come home and he would have fallen down the stairs or things like that because of his, you know, arthritis. And um, so when, you know, when he passed, I was kind of like, oh, thank God I never had to make that that difficult decision to go, oh, you know, it's, it's getting too hard for him to get around. But, you know, for a for an almost 16-year-old dog, he was still, you know, he'd come out to the park and he'd run around and, you know, have a really good time. So, And I think that that, you know, learning more about the nutrition, you know, probably gave me an extra couple of years for him definitely. Uh, love that. It's something that a, a lot of people really need to look at a lot better than what they are doing. Yeah, yeah, it's a huge, a huge passion of mine now. And, you know, I've got some lucky to have some friends who um, run a business down here, Chefs and Dogs, and they're super passionate about, you know, teaching the world. Like they're all over, um, I, I don't know how many millions of fans they have on TikTok now, but they're um, all over the world, to, you know, teaching people more about dog nutrition and, and feeding your dogs well and, you know, I'm so thankful to them and the people that I've learned from to learn more about how, how to keep my dogs well because um, it gave me, it definitely gave me a couple of extra years with him and, you know, so I'm really passionate about and, you know, our team team in, in our daycare, we're all really passionate about, you know, what can we do to help these dogs and, and give them, give their owners those extra years that, you know, you hope to get. I love it. Yeah. We didn't mention where he slept. Oh, <laughs> he was always in the bed next to me. So he he was up on the pillow. We either shared my pillow or he had his own pillow in the bed. 
Um, <laughs> so he was always as close to me as possible. Um, yeah, I don't think there was ever a night where he wasn't in the bed, even when it really got hot, like gets gets pretty hot in Canberra in summer. Um, we did have one boarding dog, Lily, who's also a yellow lab, and Lil um, boards with me quite a bit. I love her to death. Um, and she was always, she was a bit faster than him and would manage to steal his spot in the bed. <laughs> um, so I knew when Lil was there, it was always a race. Like she'd be in the bed before I would and she was up up on the pillow like Dusty was, but he, he loved Lily. So, um, you know, he was happy to share that spot and <laughs> he'd just move further down or sometimes they'd spoon together up the top and share a pillow. Oh, so cute. But yeah, he was definitely a bed dog. And that was from, from day one when you brought him home? Yeah, yeah. I think I did go through a stage one time where I think I got a new bed and new sheets and I was like, I'm going to kick all the dogs out of the bed and, <laughs> and they're going to learn impulse control and they're going to sleep on their own bed. And I don't, I think it lasted about like a week, maybe not even that long. <laughs> <laughs> You let slip there all the dogs. What's the most you've had? <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, look, I've had, when I've been fostering, I've had up to seven. I've only ever owned three hang on, hang on. Seven at a time. In, in the bed? Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> and the cat. <laughs> okay, next question. Where, where do you sleep? <laughs> yeah, I, I had to upgrade to a king when I when I started fostering. So I was like, oh, it's getting a bit crowded in here. <laughs> but I always had a rule like the foster dogs. Foster dogs, I try not to have sleeping in the bed because you, um, you know, it's better to set them up for to be able to sleep anywhere so that when they go to their new home, they're not, you know, doing something that the new owners don't want them to. So um, some of them wouldn't sleep in the bed. Like often I'd keep them on the floor or, or crate train, like I crate trained all of them. Um, but depending how long they were with me for and, you know, who I intended to rehome them to, mm-hmm. um, what sort of dog they were, they were allowed in the bed. And and my boarding dogs now, most of their owners are more than happy for them to sleep in my bed. Um, so <laughs> as long as they don't cause any grief with my dogs, like there's a couple that um, can be a little bit more spicy than others. And so if they have any of that in them, then they're not allowed in the bed. But, you know, dogs like Lily, who's, you know, like my own, I love her like my own, She's she can sleep in the bed any day. <laughs> <laughs> Has there been any other different species that sort of Dusty sort of hung around with? Um, no, not really. We um out at our out at our um, park. We're on a on a farm, um, so he you know he'd always say hello to the cows and the horses out there, and um, and that and, you know kangaroos and stuff never really bothered him. Um, but no, I don't think he really met anything else. I'm really just a cat and dog person. I'm not like little pocket pets. And I think, you know, having, well, Cardi certainly, she's got a little bit more prey drive. Um, so she probably wouldn't be suitable with anything else. Um, so, and then having the fosters, you never kind of knew what you were going to get um, as far as them. So we've kind of stuck to, stuck to the two things, but like he, 
he's one of those dogs that you could put with anything and he'd be like, yeah, okay, you know, <laughs> this is what we're doing now. <laughs> I was going to ask you a hard question. Was it, Has there been a particular time that uh, or one of the more regular things that you think about that when he really made you smile? Um. Oh, that is a hard one. It is because he just sounds like a such a super cool laid back dog. Yeah, yeah, he was so just so super easy. I think you know, looking back now, you know, sometimes uh, like I love the Facebook memories because a lot of the time I'll see things from when he sort of first moved in. Um, like they actually only came up yesterday or sometime this week. Um, of when he first moved in and he's there on the couch and with Sharon and the two cats and and I look back and I'm like, and he's just so relaxed and I just look at him and go, oh my God, like what an amazing creature to be, you know, to have been given no socialisation in your life and, and to have had a, a life where you've been locked up for kind of four years of your life and then just to come in and and, you know, be so um, welcoming and so social um, after getting over your fears. Like it just, I, I just am always amazed. And I saw a little video of the first time that he played and I'd taken a video of him and this foster dog and and playing and it, like it just, my heart just was like, oh, my God, you know. And, and what, I suppose it, you know, it always makes you think what fostering can do for these dogs and, and how important. It is that we don't um, don't judge people for rehoming um, is one of the biggest things for me. Like I, I think it's so important that we're open to people rehoming their dogs. Like I'm not a fan of the a dog is for life um, because I think about dogs like Dusty who, you know, if, if they went by that dog, a dog is for life, you know, sure, he would have been alive and he was well-fed and that sort of thing, but was his life fulfilling and and did he get to do all the things that he should be doing? Um, so I'm sort of, you know, more open to the if people need to rehome their dogs, let's support them to do it and let's really help to find those dogs a home where um, that's right for them and that where they get to fulfil what they, you know, want in life, which, you know, all right, for Dusty was lying on a bed. <laughs> 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 um, but, no. you know, and especially for the more active type dogs that need that need those outlets. Like I think, you know, he he really reminds me of that all the time. Not to judge people for rehoming because it's you know we're fi- finding those dogs are the life that they need to leave uh, lead. I always find it isn't it isn't it funny how much of a, n- a negativity there is around that subject that we put on people. But when you say something like, I'll bring a random person around to your house and say, this is going to be your friend, your best friend for the next 10 years, and you're going to make yeah. it work. And people look at you and go, you're an idiot. Yeah. yeah. I'll say, have yeah. a think about, just think about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I think what I love about, you know, coming through the rescue where I started my dog stuff in the rescue community and um, a lot of it can be very different to the dog training community. So, you know, there are some of that old school stuff of a dog is for life and you should never rehome it and you're a bad person and moving more into the dog training side and especially looking at, um, you know, the sporting dog 
community and and how they're very open about you know yeah we'll take on a dog and if it's not right we'll rehome it Mm. um but as long as the rehoming is done responsibly like i think it's fantastic for dogs because we're finding them that perfect match that's Um, the the key word you said there responsibly yeah yeah that's it and yeah as long as it is as it is done responsibly and and as long as dogs are not you know dumped on rescue groups and rescue groups are made to do you know spend all the money and do all the hard work um i think you know rescue groups should be there to help the people that really need help um and help the dogs that really need help and if you know other people can can um you know be given advice and and knowledge on how to rehome their own dog responsibly, then I think it's, you know, fantastic for them. Absolutely. So you want to give people your social links and tell them about your business? Uh, yeah, so I'm um, operations manager at Pups for Fun. So we're down here in Canberra um, on both the south side and the north side now. Now we've just taken over another business on the north side. Um, so we do dog daycare, dog training, dog grooming, dog walking. Um, so pupsofun.com.au um, and you can check out. Um, so I'm down to one dog for the first time in 20 years at the moment. What? I know. <laughs> it's absolutely crazy. Um, so I've just got my Rottweiler Cardi. Um, so you can see a bit of Cardi on Instagram. She does a bit of... Um, well, we're dabbling in GRC. We haven't um, haven't done a lot of training in the last six months, but um, we still do all the things. We just haven't really nailed it yet. Um, and she loves doing, you know, a bit of uh, weight pull and all that sort of stuff. Um, so we're on Instagram, um, Dallas and Dogs, which I'm going to have to get another one now just to meet my handle. That's it. <laughs> I just haven't decided what breed I want next. So it's... um. I don't know what to get, so we'll have to see on that. <laughs> it has been an absolute pleasure hearing about Dusty. So cool. <laughs> uh, thank you. I love. I absolutely love what you're doing with the podcast. I think it's, you know, we, we all love talking about our dogs. The hardest bit is picking which one to talk about. It's <laughs> um, a big challenge. But, you know, and I love hearing about other people's dogs as well and, you know, what, what dogs do to people's lives, you know, it's, <laughs> They're amazing, amazing creatures and I think we, you know, we take them for granted and and so hearing the stories really, you know, reminds you just how special they are. Absolutely. Every single one of them. Thank you very much again. It's been a pleasure. No worries. Thanks again, Robert. Thank you very much for listening. I hope that you enjoyed the show. Don't forget to uh, tell a friend or like or share, just like our new listeners in Nuremberg in Germany and in Moscow, Russia. Also, if you are interested, you are welcome to join our Facebook group. You'll just search for that on Facebook, The Relaxed Dog Podcast. Until next time, stay safe and remember, your dog is family. 